job to stay in alignment with him so I can hear how he's doing things his way. And he doesn't show me everything. But I know he's good, and I know he can do the supernatural. So God is good. Nothing is impossible. That third one, man, the cross fixed everything. And so if people that you're running you run into and, and are in contact with feel like they've gone too far, don't push them over the edge and say, yep, you went too far. <laughs> no. It's not a hopeless situation. John 3 says God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son just to point out the defects, to wave an accusing finger. He came to make things right. And that's what Jesus did, which is why every person he went to, he was making it right. He was making, people thought they have gone too far. He says, no, we can make it right. My peace I give to you. The Father loves you. That's the reason that the Son came. But here's the deal. He had that on him, and he was the light. But at some point, he said, before he left, now you are the light. So you bring, we bring in the earth the goodness of God. Nothing is impossible. And the cross of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ, fixes everything. And that last piece, everyone is significant. Everyone, everyone on your street, everyone in your family, everyone on your job, everyone that you pass, everyone is significant. And if Jesus didn't get it that way, if he didn't see it that way, then um, all of Samaria wouldn't have reached him. He wouldn't have been able to bless him, bless them all. Why? Because Jesus saw the significance of a woman who had six husbands. None of them were hers. And so for a normal person, even for a normal Christian, we'll look at that and we'll see that person and say, ah, Sodom, instead of Nineveh, Father loves you. God, God has plans for you. And he changed her life, and she felt significant to the degree where she went and she brought a whole city out to see him. And so it's important that we bring the culture of heaven. Those are the four things that exist in the culture of heaven. I'll go over them again before the year is out. God is good. Nothing is impossible. The cross of Jesus Christ accomplished everything, and everyone is significant. And so that's the first piece that I need you to flow in. And this is just, you know, some early statements. Um, this isn't my teaching for today. But I need you to flow in that. But the other piece that I want you to flow in is that this is a safe place for people to come and see what the body of Christ looks like, what the family of God is like. And so we're going to put some time stamps out there. We're going to put some benchmarks out there. And we want to see this congregation grow. We want to see it grow. Let me ask you a question. Is the love of God here? Is the grace of God here? The people around you, are they representatives of the kingdom of heaven? Will they do good for others? Then let's invite people to the house. Don't leave it for the advertisement. Don't leave it for the marketing. Don't leave it for the, the live stream. Each and every one of you, I'm looking at all of you, I want you to join in 
to fill this house. Are you guys up for it? Can I count on you? All right, let's put our hands to God for the understanding of it and the grace. And so invite your family. We're going to have a friends and family day soon. Invite your friends. Invite your family members. And I'm not talking about cross-membership. I'm not talking about trying to get other people to leave their church and come to High Street. No. No. If that ends up happening, it ends up happening. But that is not your focus. Your focus is let me go to people who are broken, who don't know God. Let me go to people who have no congregation to build, their, to build life and to receive encouragement. Let me be open and let me be bold. You got to be bold now. You can't sit back and, and pray in silence. No. Walk to people. Say, hey, can we go to lunch? Bring them some cookies. You know, there is nothing like saying, I want to bless you, but I also want to talk to you about something. And let's let God work in each other's lives. And we're not doing it for notches on our belt. I bought five people to church. I bought, no, 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 no. No, it'll be great encouragement when it happens. But the goal isn't competition. The goal is growth. The goal is building, okay? So I've waited six months to, to give you that statement. And so now, now it's time as we go into the new year, and we are looking, we are looking by May, by May of next year for this congregation to double, okay? All right? Put it out there. This is what we're looking at. This is what we're looking for. And we can get more. We can get more. Please understand, this is not a numbers game. But the body of Christ should represent the kingdom of God growing, and the local church does that. Everybody got that? What's the big picture? Reach your family, reach your street, reach your neighbors, live in, a, in alignment with God. But along the way, hey, let's all own High Street Worship Center. Let's, let's own it. Let's not be people who just come and say, hey, great church, oh, great worship. In fact, was worship great this morning? Was our team wonderful this morning? But let's go beyond that. We've been in a series for quite a few quite a few weeks, even months, on growing in our character. And it's helped us. It's built in us. But it's more than just for us. There are things that we want to see this house do in the community, and we need people to do it. And so this isn't a Terry Davis show. This isn't a Terry and Pam show. This isn't a, this isn't a, a, a leadership team show. No, this is everybody coming together. And we're all valuable, and we're all, we're all significant, and we all serve at the pleasure of our King Jesus. You guys receive that? All right, all right. So um, another one of those selfish moments that I'm about to have, and I'm going to look right at the screen and say, hi, honey. Hi, honey. Um, just as an update, Pastor Pam is doing really really, really, really good. Um, she is going, <laughs> praise God indeed. Um, and her, her body is catching up with her spirit. You guys get that? Healing is always from the inside out. It's always from the, in, the inside out. And so she is, um, yeah, she is moving. She's doing she's doing things in fact I was out yesterday with my son um, we have um, with my sons we have 
moments intentionally where we get aside and it's just the two of us. Whether it's Ryan, who's the oldest, Andrew, who's the middle, Jordan, who's the youngest. I'm giving this to you as an example that relationships, whether it's father, son, mother, son, mother, daughter, father, daughter, grandmom, grandchild, niece, uncle, any of that, brother, sister, relationships don't grow by themselves. They don't fall like ripe cherries off a tree. You have to be intentional. This is a side note. You have to be intentional. So take the time and spend the time with your children, with your parents, with your siblings. Take the time and schedule it out. Budget it. You know, otherwise it'll get overwhelming. It's like, Pastor, I ain't got time for all that. Well, budget it. Budget it because people matter, and especially for parents, and especially for fathers of biological sons or fathers of adopted sons or spiritual sons. These, these young men need men in their life. And so I'm going to push you men to do that. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, I looked for a man. And it's not to say that women are insignificant, but we've got a crisis of men knowing about God, hearing from God, living for God. And so I'm going to push every man, even if you don't have a biological son, get, a, get an adopted son, get a spiritual son, and begin to pour into them. You all receive that? And all the women in the house said, amen, amen. amen. So Ryan and I are together um, yesterday, and we spent some time together. And Pam called me, and normally I'm with her, um, which is why after services I, I, I sort of jet. Um, but and so normally I'm walking with her as she gets balance. And, you know, she had back surgery, for those of you that's listening for the first time. She, my wife had back surgery, um, somewhat intense, and so now she's learning to move and all of that, and so I'm, I'm normally with her when we go up and down the steps, I'm, I'm normally with her, so Ryan and I are at, at uh, breakfast, and I thought my youngest son Jordan was gonna be there, but he went to get a haircut, and um, she called me, she said, ah, hey, um, I've, gotta, I've gotta get downstairs, how long are you gonna be? And, and, I, and I paused for a minute just to think about it, she says, you know what, I can go by myself. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, nope, nope, I can go by myself. I said, well, put me on speaker. And so she had me on speaker, and she's just moving around, getting things done. She is still being safe. But those are, those are milestones for what we've gone through, and we celebrate every, every point, every point. And for those of you that have sent cards and text messages, um, and, and may I say this, um, I know we're leaders here. Um, and I know there's a level of affection, but please, please um, be balanced in the way you love. What does that mean? That means everything that you give to Pastor Pam or me in the way of encouragement and all that, make sure you give to others who are sick in the house and others who are going through in the house, okay? We really appreciate the honor and the love, but everyone is significant, everyone. Um, Bruni told me last night, sent me a message that, that Sister Lucy is in the hospital and she's about to go through rehab. And so when you hear about this, and, and if you say, well, Pastor, I didn't know, that's fine, that's fine. But when you do find out, give that same level of grace and love and care. And I have to say this, because there are those who aren't pastors and 
you know, flow with leadership. There are those who aren't the overseer of the congregation. And they've got no one. One of the biggest things that happened when we went to the rehab facility and when we went to the hospital is that we saw, and I said this a couple weeks ago, we saw so many lonely people. People who had experienced strokes, head trauma, been in accidents, could barely walk, could barely move around, and they had nobody except a physical therapist, you know? Um, and so think about those kinds of individuals when you hear within the house things are going through. And this isn't to shame you, so don't think, oh, man, Pastor's beating me up. No, I'm not. Just as a father in the house, just like I tell our kids for years, you know, make sure that everyone is seen. Make sure that everyone is loved. Um, and that's for anything, whether it's a death in the family or someone is sick or someone has experienced something challenging. Let's make sure that we care for those. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds good. All right, for a moment, just bow your heads. Father, thank you for Sister Lucy and that you see her. Father, she may even be watching online right now and hear of your grace and your love that's flowing in this house for her. We see her like you see her. As your representatives, Father, we send, we send healing. We send healing. Everyone in the room, just say, I send healing to Sister Lucy. Healing. We send healing over her bones, her muscles, her organs, her blood vessels, her cells, her nerves, her ligaments, tendons. It's in healing. We pray, Lord, for an accelerated response from heaven at the rehab facility. May she get the best care fueled by the Holy Spirit. Any medication she may take, Holy Spirit boost it so that faith is in you and not just in the pill. Thank you for putting people around her, nurses and doctors, caregivers who love her and who take care of her. May she experience extreme favor of every kind. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's, um, let's get into some teaching. We have been in a series entitled Lessons from the Life of Joseph and um, and in these lessons, there, there have been uh, quite a few pictures and images that we've seen on how to experience character development, character development um, through going through certain tests. And it's the goal of it is to get to the ultimate purpose of what God's called us to be as his children. And so the test that we've uh, taught on, myself along with others that have been in and out of the house, um, there have been times where, um, where our brother Dino, who is an amazing teacher and a heart, such a father's heart, has taught so well in the house. Uh, Pastor Mark, our stad, who's come and taught in the house. Pastor Ernest, who leads the Philadelphia campus at Christ Community, has come, has taught on this. Um, Pastor Pam in this process has shared on this. What were the tests? The pride test, the pit test, the palace test, the purity test, 
the prison test, the prophetic test, the power test, the prosperity test, the pardon test, which actually is, is one of my favorites. I absolutely love the pardon test because we get to do some things that were done to us. We get to forgive people. We get to release people. Um, and that's something that, like all of them, there are going to be moments where um, there may be tests here and there. But man, that pardon test, we can live in that every single day. And as uh, Brother Dave Canty has one of the deacons here, as he has said, um, because of his love for driving, he gets to do the pardon test all the time. There are people who are trying to cut him off all the time on the road. And so every time you get in the car, it's like, oh, I'm, who am I going to forgive today, Lord? Because somebody's going somebody's to try and cut me off. But today, we're going to end up with the purpose test. The purpose test. And it really is a, a combination of all of them, but the goal is where we go from here. What was the ultimate goal? What was the goal um, for, for Joseph early on when he received those dreams, he thought it was for him to get promoted, for him to experience upward mobility. But this is the kingdom of heaven and the family of God, so things are different. And I will tell you ahead of time, God blesses you, he pours on you, he calls you out for his purposes. For his purposes. In fact, whether you're a Christian or not, you were created for God. We were created for worship. We weren't created just so we can have a great life. Now, we get to have a good life. We get to be in the family of God. We get to enjoy the sun coming up, the sun coming down, the sun shining and the rain. The Bible says on the just and the unjust. But we were created for worship. Put your hand on your chest and say, I was created for worship. What is worship? Worship is, and Dave stood up here a moment ago when he was talking about bringing, when we were talking about the... Uh, the uh, prosperity test, we were talking about the, the tithe and the offering, bringing, and whatever it is, whatever level of giving to the Lord isn't about um, you doing something on your own. It is you doing something that belongs to him. Everything belongs to the Lord. In fact, just for a moment, you know, open up your wallet. Open up your wallet. Get your wallet. Get your purse. Open, open it up. Go, go grab it. And, and if you got your Bible, if you got an app on your phone, just go to your account. Nobody's video, vis, uh, videoing your account number or anything like that. You know, you could just look at it on the app. Just look at it. Look in your wallet. Look in your purse. Look at the, the you know, your bank app and say, man, all of this, all of this has come from God. All of it. The earth belongs to God. And even though you signed all those papers, all of those papers at settlement for your house, it's not yours. The land is God's. The earth is the Lord. So if the earth is the Lord, which means the nations of the earth, which means the states and the nations and the cities and the states and the neighborhoods and the cities, 
and the streets and the neighborhoods and the houses on those streets belong to God. They all belong to God. And so we say, Lord, I come to you and I give to you. I, I bring this to you. And so our lives are not about our accomplishments. And that's the challenge with our culture because all around our culture, it's always about me and mine and how can I get ahead and how can I get more and competing, all of it. If we're not careful, that kind of thing, that kind of thing can get twisted even in a congregation, even among churches. I'm so looking forward to partnering with all of the churches up and down, up and down High Street. Why? Because we serve at the pleasure of our king. And High Street shouldn't be the only church in town. It shouldn't be. But that's a byproduct of our culture. And the byproduct of our culture is individuals who live in the culture that then get jobs, run ministries, do all these different things, buy homes, buy cars. Buy. And so we just got to be careful that if you do do something, it's for the glory of the Lord. You're going to hear some words from Joseph today that talks about everything that happens in God's plan. It's all in God's plan. And so we have to think like that. Whenever I wake up, whenever I wake up, God, what is your plan for my life today? If there's a pit, if there's a prison, if there's a challenge, what's your plan? Where are you trying to get me to? This is a statement here. Where are you trying to get me to and who are you trying to deliver? Where are you trying to get me to and who are you trying to deliver? That's why we, we got to stay open. Ryan and I were at the restaurant yesterday and um, we have a practice. When I share these things, this isn't to talk about who I am. It's to show you how you can do things. And it can be with anybody. Anybody. Old, young, male, female, doesn't matter. It's the heart. And we learn this from Jesus. This isn't some special pastoralty. We learn this from Jesus. So Ryan and I are at the restaurant. This girl named um, uh, Janae. <laughs> Her name was Janae. And I almost started a conversation with that, but I just, you know, I know a Janae. You know? And um, she was serving us and doing such a great job. And all the while, Ryan and I are having a great time talking about father-son stuff, brother-to-brother -brother stuff. He's reached an age. He's reached a level of maturity. We're father and son, but we're also brother and brother. And so we're really just building each other up, encouraging each other and so forth. But all the while, we know when we get to the end, of our time here, we're going to release heaven over this girl. Get to the end, and because that's purpose. That's purpose. Everywhere you go, it's for purpose. So we get in the, we get to the end, she brings out the check, you know, and then she comes back to get the card, goes back, and all the while I know, all right, when she comes for her final, her final run, we're going to have a conversation. She comes for her final run and said, hey, you served us so, so well. Um, but we have a question. She's like, sure, anything. It's like, is there anything? We're, we're going to pray for you. We're not going to pray for you now, mess up your work. But 
we're going to pray for you. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And I will tell you, that, that kind of thing, it has become like clockwork. We make that statement, and the person standing there begins to cry. It is so overwhelming. It is just over and over. She's like, I wasn't. And so her mascara was starting to ring. So I gave her a tissue, and she's dabbing in the corners, you know. She's like, I said, I know. But God sees you right now, and he loves you. And is there anything we can pray? And she says, she's my granddad. She gave his name. He was a war vet, and there's some things that's going on in his body. And, uh, and we said, okay, we're going to pray for him. I said, is there anything for you? So she started to talk about, you know, being in, you know, RCBC and, you know, being in her last of the two years and about to transfer. She really could use prayer. And so that's a simple thing. And I bring these examples out to show I'm not throwing down a pastor card. You know, I'm Pastor Terry Davis and I serve over it. I'm an ambassador of heaven, and we take turns. We take turns. You know, whoever I'm at, you know, lunch with, you know, in our family, I kick them under the, the seat. He's like, like what? Oh, oh, yeah, it's my turn. Okay. But we can all do this, and you'd be surprised. The opportunities that come up when you walk in purpose every day. And it's not just the wonderful times. I told you a couple weeks ago. Look, we're in the rehab. We're in the hospital. When Pam comes out of that 12-hour surgery, 12. And her face was so swollen. Her eyes were so small. Then day after day, God's healing power. But when the nurses came in, when the doctors came in, like, God, okay, we're here for a purpose. Does it hurt? Yes. Does it feel like a prison? Yes. Does it feel like a pit? Yes. But there is a purpose. I was telling Dino and Julie Giuliano the other day, it's like, wow, you know, we've been talking all this stuff about, and here we are. We've been talking about tests. <laughs> For like three months, we're talking about tests, and huh, huh, isn't this interesting? So we have to have that in our mind, our wiring, that when things are wonderful, when things are not. That's why Paul said, I know, I know how to be a base. I know how to be well off. But no matter what state I'm in, I'm here to serve my king. Does that make sense? So this involves everyone, everyone, everyone. So let's go to Genesis chapter 45, and I just want you guys to see this picture of purpose. It's all about purpose. Well, whose purpose? God's purpose. So Genesis, Genesis chapter 45, we'll start from 1 and we'll go through 11 and I'll read through. Then Joseph, and I'll give you background here, you know, Joseph is, you know, playing those mind games with his brothers because when they first came, he's like, oh my gosh, here they are. And they want food from me and they don't know I'm in charge. But God was dealing with Joseph. And eventually, through that whole process, God really just began to touch his heart, touch his heart, and show what the purpose was. That's why when things get hard, 
don't just, don't just look and say, God, get me out of this. Or, God, this stinks. I always reference Psalm chapter 73. If you get a chance, read all of Psalm chapter 73. It's a wonderful picture of a guy who said, hey, God is good, but for me, my foot almost slipped. I almost missed it. And then he starts to talk about things that had happened and how he almost got off track. And he did get off track. And... Um, until he went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood God's purpose. And I use that when I'm talking about disappointment. I'm talking about disappointment, because sometimes you get in disappointment, and it's like, man, and then we end up getting mad at God, or we end up backing up where our faith is concerned until God shows you the big picture. So those steps in how to handle disappointment are have a conversation with God. Tell him how you feel. But then also, number two, make space for his voice. Number three, feed, uh, uh, receive his peace. And in order to receive his peace, you got to give up your right to understand everything. Man, we got people praying all over the city when Pam went to the surgery. All over the city. We have people in the tri-state area praying over the city. Yeah, bishops and apostles and pastors and intercessors. We had to give up our right to understand. All right, what's going on here, Lord? So we're not mad at the doctors, so that we're not blaming this, so that we're not blaming that, so that we're now not going inward and saying, man, I, we must not just, we must not be believing. We must be in some kind of sin. Like, like the disciples said to Jesus when that guy, when that kid came up, he said, who, who sinned? This kid or his parents? See, the first thing the enemy wants to bring is shame. Who, who blew it for this to happen? And so in order to receive God's peace in the middle of all of that, and if we didn't receive his peace, then we wouldn't be feeding on God's goodness. And nobody else's lives in the rehab, in, the, in, um, in, in Methodist Hospital, in McGee Rehab, even the visiting nurses that are coming out. Man, we're blessing people because of us, No. But we are carriers of God's goodness, but we got to be in the right mindset. Got to be in the right mindset. And part of that, in the middle of disappointment, we had to give up our right to understand, God, why is this happening? And if he's saying, well, I'm not ready to tell you that, we still got to be willing to say, okay, God, you are still good. And that's the challenge I told you this before. This is the challenge that John the Baptist had. John was like, man, they're about to behead me. Jesus, are you the one? Or should I be looking for somebody else? Because you don't look like the one right now. Oh, yeah. Jesus said, hey, let him know God is still healing lepers. He is still forgiving people. So he hasn't changed his mind. Just, just don't get offended in me. So he says, he says, blessed as he doesn't get offended in me. And then Jesus, who, have, who could have responded with anger towards John, towards his cousin who knew that he was the one, instead... He screamed it out. This guy, John, he's the greatest prophet ever. See, that's how you handle it. Jesus is always teaching us. He's always teaching us. So um, make sure you, you flow in that disappointment piece. But here we go. Let's get back to, let's get back to this text so we can, get, we can get through this so you guys can go home and practice. Remember, that's the whole point. The point isn't to, oh, pastor, that was a good message. Woo, that was good stuff. Hallelujah. That may be good for the moment. But remember, Mark chapter 4, talking about the sower and the seed, 
and how it sows and it went on ground, different kinds of grounds. He says, he says, this is the one that was sown among thorns. Who, when the word came, they received it gladly. They were excited about it. Sounds like a Sunday morning service. But then he said, but when the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, it choked the word. And so that word became unfruitful. Powerful word, because it comes from God. But it, came, it, it became un, unfruitful. So um, the, the goal in this is that you get it. Because God wants to use you in ways you have no idea. And it may not be shouted from the stage. It may not be on the radio. It may not. But when you walk into the presence of God, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Why servant? Because we serve at the pleasure of our king. Say that. Say, I serve at the pleasure of my king Jesus. That's it. And we don't do it individually. We do it together. That's what makes us an ecclesia. When we start teaching on that, you'll find out ecclesia is the two or three. At least. All right, so let's, uh, let's get through this, this. So Joseph could not restrain himself. All of a sudden, too much. He's been playing around with his brothers, hiding, tricking them, doing all this stuff. And finally, he says he couldn't restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone get out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And then he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the, the house of Pharaoh heard it. He's crying so loud that people down the hall, <laughs> you know, people in the other areas of the palace heard it. He's crying this loud. All of this stuff is coming up out of him. All of it. All of it. Verse 3. And Joseph says to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers couldn't answer him, for they were still dismayed or confused in his presence. They didn't really catch it yet. That, what do you mean you're Joseph? What do you mean you're Joseph? And Joseph says to his brothers, please come near to me. Yeah, I love, I love this, whole, this whole story. Come near to me. So they came near, and then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt. What a moment. You guys sensing that? What a moment. But now, do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Here it comes. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Hmm. These two years, the famine has been in the land, and there's still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God, here it is again, he already said this once, he's saying it again. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Oh, man. The prison test, the pit test, the pride test, the palace, all of these tests, all these things we go through, there's a purpose for it. 
what you're going through in your family, what you're going through with your coworkers, going through with your neighbors, going through with the, you know, the tax assessor's office, or, or you standing in line at the, in, the, in the bank. Anything you're going through, small or large, God's got a plan. Look at verse 8. So now, <laughs> now look at this angle. Look at this perspective. It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Verse 9, hurry up, go to your father, say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of Egypt, come down to me. Do not tarry, don't wait. You will dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me, you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. So we'll stop there. You see the picture. God had a plan. God had a plan. God had a purpose. What's God's purpose for your life? And let your mind wander. Think about the things going on in your family. Think about the things going on in your life. Think about even maybe a season that you might be in. It might be a lack season, seemingly. It might be a, a sickness season, seemingly. It might be a broken, it might be heavy temptation that you're, what's going on in your life? And then begin to say, okay, God, what's your purpose in all this? What are, you, what are you trying to do here? Because I want to submit to your purpose. The first thing I want you to get out of this, three points I want to give you as we try and wrap up. Have faith in God's purpose for you. That's the first point. Have faith in God's purpose. In other words, believe in God. Don't just believe in, don't just believe in God to get saved. Don't just believe in God to get born again. Believe in God's purpose. God, you got a plan? I'm believing in you. And that's why we sing those songs. You're a good, good father. You're perfect in all your ways. And if you have to sing that with tears streaming down, then sing it with tears streaming down. You're a good, good father. I will not allow comedians, I will not allow insurance companies, I will not allow the culture that I live in, I will not allow broken and wounded and bitter people to change my mind about God's goodness. I'm not going to let you change my mind. He's good. Well, didn't your mom die when you was 13? Yeah, and God is still good. God is still good. So have faith in God's purposes for you. Number two, and this is an interesting one, understand that this is the family business. See, the family business, and you'll see this in some, some cultures, some cultures, the kids, they grow up, they go to college, 
and they go and they just do their own thing. But in some cultures, kids grow up, go to college, and everything's about the family. Everything is about the family. And I'm not talking about, you know, if you have a desire, you know, to be an engineer, that you, you know, you got to go and because your dad did body and fender work, you got to go into, you know, be an auto mechanic. But it's the mindset of what's the purpose of our family. Our kids are coming for Christmas. We've got two. We've got our son and our daughter-in-law and our granddaughter in Florida. And they're going to come around Christmas time. And when we all get together, we're going to talk about family purpose. What's the purpose? What's the goal? And woven in the fabric of those conversations will be what is God saying. And as leaders of the family, it's going to be our responsibility, Pam and I, to build confidence and encouragement, not to wag an accusing finger, to let them know you are so good at that. Man, God's working powerfully in your life. That's why it says raise up children in the way they should go. What's the purpose? What's the goal? It's the family business. Look at what Jesus says about the family business. Go to um, St. John. St. John chapter 14, verse 30 and 31. I've read this to you before. It's one of my favorite passages. It shows me what our leader did. This is Jesus. He's about to die. He's about to go to the cross. He just got finished telling the guys, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You don't understand it all. I know it's hard for you right now. But then he says this. He says, all right, I'm not going to talk to you guys a lot from here on out. I won't talk with you much more. For the prince, it's a little p, the evil genius ruler of this world is coming. And look at these four areas. He has no claim on me. Everybody say that. He has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. Everybody say he's got nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. Everybody say that. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And look at number four. He has no power over me. Everybody say that. He has. Now, the King James Version, which is why I love to amplify, but I love the King James. I grew up on King James. King James Version says, Satan is coming and he's found nothing in me. But when you look at all of these things, he's got no claim on me. There's nothing that we have in common. There's nothing in me that belongs to him. And he's got no power over me. Look at verse 31. This is the family business. But Satan is coming. Look at this. I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know, be convinced, that I love the Father and that I do only, everybody say only, only what the Father has instructed me to do. I act in full agreement with his orders. Rise, let's go forth. Now, Joseph is a type of Christ. Just like Isaac was and Abraham was and Moses was. They, and in other words, they had certain character points. They had certain um, callings on their life. 
that modeled what Jesus would do, ultimately. They weren't Christ. They didn't have it all. But they could show a glimpse of, of it. So, Joseph had to learn all of this. And it took him some time. This wasn't he went to Egypt, he was sold into slavery on Tuesday in November, and then January of the next year, all of a sudden, everything's in place. No, this took years. And all the while, there was that character development. Whereas Jesus, when, he's, when he comes to the earth, he's 12. No, he's eight, I'm sorry, he's eight in the temple. His mom and dad are looking for him. They ultimately find him. And he says, didn't you know that I'd be about my father's business? See, he's our model. He's our model. And the quicker we respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit in these tests, the quicker we grow. The quicker we grow. Like, it was why what Dave said earlier about obedience. God does love obedience. Not as notches to put on your belt, or as levels to compare to others. Well, I'm God's favorite because I always do what God says. No, 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 no. You're one decision away from a scandal, one bad decision. That's why he says, those that think they stand, take heed lest they fall. That's part of the test. That's the pride test. You have walking levels of humility. But we have to understand that when you become a Christian, it's not, we don't come and get born again and all of a sudden I'm going to find my mate, I'm going to get that new job, I'm going to get those degrees, I'm going to get the big house, I'm going to get the two cars, we're going to have the boy and the girl, we're going to get more promotions, you know, my name's going to spread throughout. Yo, Satan's coming. He's coming. He's not just coming to you, he's coming to all of us. But we have a father who has planned for and prepared for our victory. And he has invited us in to partner with him to bring about a deliverance. And whether that's a deliverance with a 20-year-old or whether it's a deliverance for an entire city. And you don't get to choose which one. You don't get to look back and say, hey, I want my name in lights like that. You don't get to do that. Because... Your name being in lights is all about you. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, talking about himself, I'll draw all men. And you don't get to choose what test you take. You don't get to choose it. Just know that he's with you in the storm. There's a guy named Larno Harris wrote this song years ago. I'm always quoting Larnell, some others, but I, I love Larnell. Started hearing him when I was about 12, 13. He wrote this song, he says, so you were in it after all. Man. All those moments I stood crying while something inside of me was dying, I didn't know you heard me each time I called. But there's a reason for those trials. It seems I got stronger every mile. Now I know you were there. And you were in it after all. Cast down, but not destroyed. You know? So this is the family business. And I don't want you, may I ask you not to, 
invite people to come into the body of Christ saying, hey, wait till you become a Christian. Oh, everything's going to be so much better. Oh, that job, you're going to get the best job. You're going to find yourself a girl or a guy. You're going to find, it's going to be so good. Wait till you start walking with God. Nope. Jesus said in this world, in this life, you're going to have persecution. But be of good cheer. Anybody know the rest of that? I have overcome the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. All right, I'm going to give you one last passage of scripture, and it's for our final point. Our final point is be on guard of your purpose killer. Be on guard. There's a purpose killer out there. God's got a purpose for your life, but there's a purpose killer. Now, the purpose killer is not a person. So don't go home, ladies, and look at your husband or look at your family member. Or when you go to work tomorrow, be looking somebody up and down. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on. What's wrong? Yeah, you know what? You don't know it, but you're my purpose killer. But you know what? God's going to deal with you. <laughs> no, don't roll like that. The purpose killer is the enemy. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. As you read these passages of scripture, look at them. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, therefore, humble yourselves. Now, the reason he says, therefore, is because there's something it's there for. When you look back, you'll read what it's there for. See, when you look back in, in the previous verses, it starts talking about pride and how God resists. He backs up from the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, therefore... Humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God. Don't get around people and call yourself insignificant. Get in the presence of God and say, Father, you are God and you have everything. Don't say, I'm just a low piece of dirt, I'm a good for nothing, nobody. Don't say that because now you're dishonoring God because God created you. Did that make sense? Sometimes we go too far, and we miss the target. We go way too far, and we end up missing the target. So don't, don't, don't you know, um, look at yourself as nothing in an effort to say, God, you are wonderful and you're everything. No, say, God, everything I have and everything I am, it comes from you. And I humble myself. I bow down in your presence. That's humility. So that if you want me to say something or you don't want me to say something, you're in charge of my life. If you want to show me something, then I want to hear, what are you trying to show me in the middle of this? If you're trying to weed out something in me, say, okay, Lord, weed it out because you are my God. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may exalt you. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. That's why I love the description that he is Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees. He sees you where you are. And I love telling that to people and just watching them melt in the presence of God. He sees me because there is such an environment in our culture. Be well balanced. 
temperate, sober mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times for that enemy of yours, the devil. All right, this is the purpose killer. He roams around like a roaring lion in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in your faith against his onset, root, uh, onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, say the God of all grace, who imparts all blessings and favor, who has called you into his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. It's, go back, go back, go back. Establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. You're talking about a balanced person, no matter what's going on. To him be dominion, power and authority, rule, forever and ever, amen, amen. Purpose, it's God's plan. All the tests that you take, this is the one that you take every day. Staying on track, no matter what state you find yourself to be in, to be content, whether you got a lot, whether you got a little, whether you're having one of those seasons where you're just flowing, and you're feeling the results of all of these prayers that have forged you ahead, and you feel them almost tangibly, but also those moments where you're in a prison, figuratively or literally, and you feel those prayers because there is a boldness in you that says, for God I live, for God I'll die. Bow your heads where you are. Father, thank you for your goodness and that you don't change. Thank you for inviting us into your family. And it's not because we are so good. And it's not because we're the worst. It's just because of your mercy. Thank you for inviting us in. And for those, Father, who are watching online or those who may be here in the audience, that don't know you, we give an offering right now. We even plead right now. Be reconciled to God. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus gave his life for you. So if you're willing to say this right now, if you're willing to say this right now, here or online, if you're willing to say, Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe you came to set me free and bring me back to God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that blood washes all of my sin. I believe you were buried and three days later you were raised up from the dead for me. And today, I give my life to Jesus. Jesus, be my Lord. Come into my life, change me forever, and make me new. 
And in my faith and with my faith, I say thank you. Thank you. I called on you and you answered me. And I say thank you. So now please help me to grow. Fill me up with your precious Holy Spirit so I can say yes to God every day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that for